Dear people of God in Christ, have you ever seen something so incredible it just amazes you? I remember the first time watching a football game and somebody's running down the, the field at full speed and they throw the ball about 40 yards and he's got somebody holding one arm and he just sticks one arm out, catches the ball and runs for a touchdown. I'm thinking, this is incredible. This is impossible. How could anybody do that? Think if you uh, saw a plane for the first time in your life, not just any ordinary plane, but say like a 737. The average weight of that is 50 tons. That's 100,000 pounds. <laughs> if you've never seen a plane take off before, would you say, oh yeah, that 50 tons is just going to it's going to start floating in the air. It's impossible. It can't be done. Or think if you live back at the time of Christ, not long after, when the Apostle Paul was living. Only he wasn't Paul. He was Saul the persecutor, the one who hated Christians so much, he was putting them in prison and killing others for their faith. How many of you would say, oh yeah, this guy... He's going to get converted someday. No, you'd say it's impossible. It can't be done. And then we have what God wants for our church, for us, that all people be saved. He's given us the means to do it. Can we save the whole world of billions of people? It seems impossible. And first of all, if it's up to us to try to convert people, it would be impossible. Think of the things that could have kept this Canaanite woman in our verses from believing in Jesus. It says that she was a Canaanite from a foreign land. You know, for centuries, uh, Tyre and Sidon were known for their immorality and their worship of false gods. Yeah, that's where Jezebel came from, you know, the one that worshipped Baal. Now, later on, they took on Egyptian gods, and then eventually, by Jesus' time, they'd taken on the Greek and Roman gods. And so there were all kinds of gods, just not the true God. So that's her background. If it wasn't bad enough, this woman's daughter is possessed by a demon, and she may have called on all kinds of false gods to help her, but no answer. It seemed impossible for her to get help. You know, if her circumstances weren't bad enough, the Bible tells us that by nature, no one can trust in the true God. St. Paul wrote about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. People without the Spirit do not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to them, and they cannot understand them. So the inclination, the guidance of the sinful world is, just follow your heart and you'll get to where you want to go. Well, that's like a faulty GPS system. Every time you type in the address, it takes you to the wrong place. And it's not just one time this happens. The unbelieving world does it again and again, and they will continue to do it till the end of time because they don't know any better. They don't know the truth. It's impossible for them to trust in Jesus as their Savior, if they are trying to use the means of their own life and their own ways. Now, for many of us, it could be said, from childhood, from early age, we have known the Holy Scriptures. 
which have been able to make us wise for salvation. Yet it's good to remember that we were born no different than this Canaanite woman with the same sinful nature. Martin Luther confessed in his explanation to the third article, I believe that I cannot by my own thinking or choosing believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. No, the curse of sin is that we are always trying to find a way to God without including Christ, by adding something to what he did, at least, so that we somehow feel more a part of it. But in the end, the Bible says that way leads to death and to judgment. Now, most people, unlike the Canaanite woman, are not outside the doors of St. Paul right now, knocking on it, saying, please let me in. I want to find out all the information I can about Jesus. No, no, they don't want to come and hear that they're sinners, and that God's going to judge them by perfect standards that they cannot keep. No, they want to think that God will accept them and excuse them for any evil that they've done, or that they're good enough that God will be satisfied. How can we change their mind? How can we change their hearts so that they realize, like the Canaanite woman did, that they desperately need Jesus as their Savior? It's impossible for us to do. But secondly, thankfully, with the Holy Spirit, with God, all things are possible. The Canaanite woman did believe. She did see Jesus' help. When Jesus spoke to her, he talked about taking food from the children off their table, throwing it to the dogs. And they considered that foreigners. But her response was, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Those crumbs, what are those crumbs? Those crumbs are promises of God which the Jews, some of the Jews anyway, believed. And it caused them to be looking forward to a coming Savior. When Jesus appeared, they believed in him. Someone who realized this truth made contact with this woman so far away in Tyre and Sidon and must have spoken to her so that she heard of Jesus' miracles. It had to be because the Bible promises faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And so it is by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the word that this woman believed that Jesus could help her. Martin Luther once again described the work of the Holy Spirit in the third article. The Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. So this woman approached Jesus with a bold faith and said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Three important things that this woman, who we wouldn't even think would know about God, has faith in God. And first of all, she calls Jesus Lord. She believed him to be God. Son of David, a descendant of David, promised to be the Savior. And thirdly, that he would have compassion even on her, a foreign woman. Why did Jesus 
seemed to ignore her, seemed to have no compassion when he first heard from this woman. Well, at first, he didn't answer at all. And then when the disciples began to say, Lord, can we do something about this woman? Then he said, well, his priority was to the lost sheep, that is, to the people of Israel first. Then he called the Jews the children, and he called the woman's uh, group, nation, dogs. We had somebody new come to church and talk like that to them. Think they'd ever come back? Oh my goodness, let's pray that that would never happen for anyone. Because God wants all to be saved. So why did Jesus do this? Well, he knew that, he knew her heart, he knew that she had faith, and he wanted to test that faith, to strengthen that faith, and uh, her reserve too. And he also wanted to teach the disciples about what it means to have strong faith, to persevere, to be patient, to be humble, and accept God's way and God's word. So that is exactly uh, what the woman did. Jesus also wanted to make clear that until his death, people were going to be living under the old covenant. The promise was first given to Abraham and to his descendants. Abraham believed and was blessed. Through David, the same promises were given of a coming Savior who would rule for the benefit of his people. Jesus, of course, and over the ages, Many promises were made, and the Holy Spirit used those promises for many of the Jewish people to come to faith in a, in, a, in a promised Messiah. But the Jews were not to keep this news to themselves. Already to Abraham, the promise was that the coming in fight by your offspring, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. We heard earlier in Isaiah how foreigners would be included among God's people as they worship. At Jesus' time, there were many, probably thousands of non-Jews trusting in the promises of the coming Savior. The Canaanite woman is just one example of so many. And of course, Jesus did not disappoint her. He commended her for having faith and immediately cast that demon out of her daughter. Do you think this is the last time this woman is going to express her faith? No. Could you imagine her going back to town and there's her, her daughter after all this time and frustration? She is now healed? Is she going to keep that a secret to people? No, everyone in town, this is my daughter. She was demon possessed, but look at her. She's fine. She's cured. It is the power of Jesus that has done this. He has done great things. She, it was impossible for her not to speak because it was such a joy in her heart. But of course, uh, Jesus did not stay in that foreign country very long. He was going back to Jerusalem where he would be tried and then eventually suffer and die on a cross to win full forgiveness, not just for the Jews, but for all people. Jesus said, promise in John chapter 12, when I am lifted up from the earth, 
I will draw all people to myself. After Jesus rose from the death, we read in Mark 16, 15, he commanded his followers to go to all nations and to preach the good news to all people. And we are still living under that new covenant founded on the death and resurrection of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has moved us to believe in Jesus, that he has saved us, that he's preparing a place for us in heaven. But he has room for so many more people. God wants all to be saved. Jesus died for all people. He won the war against the power of sin and death, and people need to know that victory is for them so that they can be set free. Billions of people are still living in unbelief. It seems impossible for us to reach them all with the saving news of Christ. Where do we begin? I was once at a, at a mission seminar, and I heard this statement. The light that shines the farthest shines brightest at home. If we want to make a difference in the world, start with our own faith. Start by realizing how we need to make our own faith stronger. Feed that faith with the crumbs that come from the Lord's table. In other words, what are the blessings? How are the means he brings us these things for our faith? Go back to your baptism. Would someone use water in the word and you received Jesus' forgiveness, the Holy Spirit, brought you to faith and made you a child of God. Your sins were washed away. Also, Jesus gave us Holy Communion. Keep our faith focused on his death until he returns to give us eternal life. And we'll continue to hear God's promises to help us see just how much we are blessed so that it's impossible for us to keep quiet about it. Jesus has given us this powerful means of grace to help other people. You know, sometimes you, you have a nice, clear, calm day, and you see this pond, and you just take a pebble, and you throw that out there, and it plops in the water. Is it just one plop and done? Or do you begin to see ripples that start going out in all directions around where that rock fell? That's the way it is to be with God's Word in our lives. We start with our own families after we are concerned, you know, keep our faith strong, and we have our own family so that they trust in Jesus. And we pray that God would help us meet many more people and tell them the great things that Jesus has done for them. And then they can share the good news, and that just continues to go until it'll reach around the world. And it's not about us. We're just here planting seeds. It is the Holy Spirit who does the impossible work of bringing people to faith. You know, what often seems impossible can get done. Saw it with my own eyes when that guy running down the field grabbed that ball with one hand, caught that amazing catch in football. And I've seen it with my own eyes when a 50-ton plane glides up in into the, and is held up in the air by air. That's amazing, but it's possible, isn't it? And even people like Saul, the persecutor, 
can be changed. And thank God, the Holy Spirit has changed us. He's given us faith in Christ. And may he continue to do the same for many others as we work together to share the good news, just as God wants his church to do. Amen.